Welcome to Expanded Universe, Season 13, Episode 10, maybe 11, whatever. Smite Walks with Rhythm. The book, Mall Lockdown, by Joe Schreiber, in or around 2004. Chapters 37 through 40, here we go. everybody, welcome to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars novel discussion podcast. I say the as if there's only the one. I'm sure there's like 50 of this show. But anyway, I'm, Je- I'm Jeff, your host, joined as always by your other host, John. John, how you doing? The same. Really? I didn't, I didn't even say how I was doing. You're just assuming you're doing the same? No, I'm doing the same, as I always am. <laughs> oh, you're doing, okay. So you're comparing it to yourself and not to me. Indeed. Okay. You see, I'm so self-centered. I know. It's okay. I forgive you <laughs> because I'm so forgiving. That's so good of you. I know. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear you're doing the same. I mean, not that great, great glad because normally you're not doing very good. You know, normally. Normally you kind of just are getting by and generally suck. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's my general vibe. Beats me why you do that. Sure as hell ain't my scene. Uh, so uh we had to push this back by a day because i had a really rough day yesterday now we're having sound issues hopefully this episode we get through it and record it and it's going to be good for everybody that's my that's my sincere hope right now oh yeah normally i don't hope that this episodes are good but you know right now i hope this one is (laughs) it'd be a first (laughs) let's let's try at least once yeah anything else going on with you uh, I mean, not a whole lot. Playing lots of Vigmo games, fucking around. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm. Now that I, I just finished turning in our second batch of uh, of revisions to the third book, and now I'm kind of like, now what do I do? So I've been playing a little bit of uh, Slay the Spire. Actually, I haven't played it in forever, and it was just I, I suddenly had an urge to see it again. Nice. So I've just been. Having the the uh, ludicrous run of good luck that I, I really hoped for when coming back to the game, uh, where I was like, "What's up, the heart? Here's 440 poison." Uh, yeah, I uh, I have been playing Loop Hero. I've seen pictures of Loop Hero, but I'm not otherwise familiar. So you'll have to go into a little bit further detail. Uh, it is a game where the entire gameplay is on a literal loop. You walk around, your little uh, pixel figure walks around a loop, and you come back to your camp, and then you keep doing them. Uh, Every loop, the enemies you fight get harder, and you have almost a deck construction thing to it in that you decide what cards you will get that you can then put on the map to make things. And these can be like uh terrain stuff so you could add like mountains and forests and deserts you can add in villages or swamps or cemeteries whatever and anything you put on there changes how things work i'm looking at little screenshots of it now and it's very cute it's neat it's a real good uh roguelite type game where you know you're going to go through loops, honestly, where you're not even trying to kill the boss. You are just trying to get some, like, 
loot to bring back to your camp to make it better so that you can face the boss at some point. Huh, okay. Yeah, it looks cool. The, the uh, mechanics I'm seeing on screen here are actually kind of intriguing. Oh, yes. I might consider this at some point. Yeah, I beat the game. I've been, the last couple days, been trying to do some of the secret bosses. I just beat a se- secret boss today, actually, before we started recording. Hmm. So, good times. It's the secret boss you get by making your entire loop swamps. Oh, cool. That's neat. I, I, I Yeah, I think I might actually give this a shot. I did have, I played a game of, uh, just while I'm still talking about it, I did a game of uh, Slay the Spire yesterday where I tried out the monk, immediately got the prismatic shard, and like the the whale gave it to me, Mm. which was like, you get cards from everybody, and I ended up building a go into divinity and spam shivs build. Lol. And it worked because every shiv did like, you know, 12 damage, and I I could generate dozens of them. It actually worked. It got me almost all the way through. Nice. Yeah. Stupid, but funny. Same. Speaking of stupid, but funny, how about that Star Wars? Uh, Star Wars. Segways. Oh, segways. I don't remember where we left off specifically. Uh, was it, did, is it a one-two? Did it go right from the, the warden's, I think it was, hey, Jabba, come pick up your boys. Is that where we ended? <laughs> I or? got your dudes. Come get them. Yeah, I don't remember if it was that or... Oh, no, no, it was the, I'm sorry, it was that pointless reveal that, that Zero answers to another name. I mean, that's so bad of a reveal. Well, yeah, especially because who cares? Yeah, we know he answers to several other, no one thought his name was Zero. Yeah, no one was like, oh, yeah, his God-given Christian name was Zero. I mean, you never know, There's it's only- Star Wars, God, <laughs> God knows anyone in Star Wars can have whatever stupid-ass name they want. I think there's at least two droids and a hut that are all current canon characters named Zero. Good. Fuck them. So there's no there's no shortage of Zero characters. This guy's just some sort of also ran. Ah. But anyway, the the uh, we certainly do open up this this episode uh, with the uh, the the meeting hall full of dudes who work for Jabba. Jabba's in there with them in the form of a big old life-size hologram, and Siddiqui's in there too, just sort of reveling in the moment. Oh yeah, I mean, this is one of those times for the warden where you're like, oh man, she's just loving this. And given that what happens in this chapter, you're like, wow, uh, Siddiqui's kind of fucked up. (laughs) Yeah, there's got to have been an easier way to accomplish this than what she actually ends up doing. But so to to recap, uh, she's gathered, I I forget how many, but about a dozen to 15 guards in this room. Yeah. Uh, Our our point of view guard is a guy by the name of Smite, who's all hopped up on spice and definitely also works for Jabba. Yes. The the shitty little guy who has definitely been trying to seem like a big man around Maul, and now he's all hopped up on glitter stim and ready to fuck around until he sees Jabba show up, and then he is like, oh, fuck my ass. Ah, shit, I just found out. And uh, so Siddiqui's just like, all right, Jabba, who who among these these chumps back here is yours? And this chapter actually sees Jabba laughing and talking, and he's just like, none of them. None of those are my guy. I, I don't, I've never seen any of them before in my life. What are you going to do about it? Oh, yeah, I mean, Smite is already freaking out at this point. Like, he has pressed himself against the wall and is just sweating profusely. I'm like, man, 
<laughs> even if she was like, oh, okay, Jabba, and then looked at the rest of the guards, she'd be like, oh, that guy's obviously guilty of some shit, even if he ain't yours. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I guess I'd also be scared, even if this was a case of mistaken identity, that clearly Siddiqui thinks I work for Jabba, and she's asking Jabba, and Jabba's just going ahead and saying, oh, just kill all those guys, I don't care. Hmm. Like, even if this is a complete mistaken identity situation, if you're a guard in this room, you've got to feel turbo-fucked right now. Oh, I mean, especially because she's like, hey, uh, if you don't claim them, then... I'm going to murder him. And Jabba's like, sweet, fucking kill him. What do I give a shit? And at that point, you're like, man, uh, there's there's no good p- way for me to get out of this. Yeah, exactly. He knows he's doomed. But we get a little bit more back and forth between Jabba and Siddiqui where she's just like, all right, so here's the deal. Whoever comes forth and admits that they work for Jabba, I'm going to let you live. Yeah, and she presses a little button and... The wall over uh, opposite where the hollow projection is slides open, and she's like, Gentlemen, I believe you know Mr. Nailhead and Mr. Strabo. Yep. And in come our two uh, former leaders of the Gravity Massive and Bone Kings. They're looking around, and right away, this is enough to spook a few of the guards. One of them steps forward and is like, I work for Jabba. I'm, I do. I work for Jabba. Please don't kill me. Oh, yeah. Also, that guy works for Jabba. Uh, and him and his house and Jabba's buddies at Fred's house and Bill's house <laughs> and a few of them were like shut the fuck up whatever your name is you're getting us all killed and shit and he's like I don't care I want to live so we like outs half the room including Smite oh yeah the <laughs> the weird thing to me is like she brings in horrible murderers and you're like great nobody here has a weapon or their little drop box to blow up people's hearts Except yep. for her. And she's just like, hey, uh, if you step forward, maybe maybe you won't get murdered horribly. And the fact that one guy's like, fuck yeah, let's do this. I'm going to out everybody. Yeah. And then she's like, cool. Now you can Thanks. all die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Obviously, I wasn't actually going to let you live. You were a moron for thinking that. But it doesn't matter if you betrayed your friends or not. No one left this room. Oh, yeah, because he, I mean, like you said, he outs, like, at least a good eight guys in this room, which isn't Mm -hmm. all of them, but she's not like, all right, everyone who wasn't just identified, you can leave. She's just like, cool. Hey, you guys want to fucking murder all these dudes? (laughs) (laughs) And then as uh, the uh, Strabo and Nailhead get to work on murdering everybody in the room, she opens up a door, which is quickly filled in behind her as she walks out. She doesn't really care what happens in here. And I got to say, what happens in here is like Eli Roth levels of gory. It feels silly at a certain point. Well, I mean, she doesn't even leave because she waits for a bit to be like, oh, I got to watch this. And she has to be like, hey, yeah. by the way, you guys uh, just remember, I'm the only one with a drop box in this room. So if you want to get your revenge on these guards who have been messing with you great uh i'll just sit here and watch and she just kind of like watches dudes explode in gore for a while yeah because the first person to go down is hootkins and i want to send out a thank you to the folks who reminded us that hootkins is actually the name of the actor that played porkins and that's why it's a little it's a little homage they're not just cousins (laughs) they're not just the same guy (laughs) 
that William Hootkins went on to, he's like a, a Lucas favorite, or I'm sorry, a Spielberg favorite, because he's also in some Indiana Jones movie. Huzzah! Yeah, he got a lot of work. He's like Ratzenberg, where Ratzenberg turns up in like that uh, Empire Strikes Back, and you're like, Jesus Christ, really? Aww. That dude from Cheers? That guy? <laughs> and then he goes on to be like the voice of Pixar for forever. Oh, yeah. And then I think he got a little too politically unpopular, and they they stopped calling him. Did he? Because I swear I so, I've seen yeah. him in everything still. Is he still in all? Is he is he an onward? I don't remember. God, I don't remember onward. I mean, I've seen it, but I can't remember much of it. <laughs> <laughs> How did you think of, think of Soul? Soul was good. I liked Soul. It is. It's all right. It's okay. I saw a lot of uh, very cogent complaints about it, but still, I thought it was a good movie all the same. Yeah. Anyway, back to the point. When I say this is gory, I mean it's, like, ludicrously gory. Hootkins is the first one to die, and it's just that Nailhead and another Bone King put spikes into his stomach and then tear him apart. Oh, yeah. Like, we get everything from the point of view of Smite, because Smite basically gets trapped behind a flipped table against the wall, so for the most part, Mm -hmm. they aren't really looking at him, so he can manage to not get immediately murdered, but from where he is, he's just like, oh, yeah, like one guy's literally getting ripped in two by two guys. Like one's got the arms, one's got the legs, and they are just <laughs> ripping him in half. They've got. Yeah, that's like some bone tomahawk shit. One of them's got a straight up ice cream scoop that made out of a skull, and he's just using it to take a guy's stomach out. Oh, yeah. Just goes in there with a big sharpened skull and is like, and I'll take a scoop of this. There's a dude who gets. Just, like, two bone shivs through his eyes. Yeah, everyone's getting murdered in just, like, the most hilarious ways. Yeah. Just, and again, it's funny because the, the murders here are, like, horror movie level, where they're they're so hor- horrific, they're just impossible. Like, no one could be torn apart this easily by some bones and by some guys. Oh, yeah, but it don't matter. People are getting, like, hit on the head, their head explodes, and then after they explode, Nailhead's like, I'm gonna take a bite out of your face. Oh, yeah, yeah, Nail uh, Nailhead eats half of a guy's face off of his face. Like, just eats it like a corn of cob. Or co- <laughs> corn on the cob, not a corn of cob. Ah, yes, that just sounds a corn like, of cob! That just sounds like the name of some stupid knight. <laughs> I am the corn of cob? <laughs> Whist thou, Terry? <laughs> Privy? <laughs> anyway, Smite almost doesn't get out because, of course, it's a room full of murderers. But everyone's so busy murdering that he manages to dive out the hole that the the uh, gang members came in through. Oh yeah, I mean, at this point, you have to imagine that like everyone's just glorifying in the nasty gore that they are bathing in, and he just kind of slip and slides his way through the uh, place that all of them came in, and is like, well. All right, good. Fuck this. I'm out. Yeah, he just sort of dives down a hole to try and get away. And that's more or less the end of the chapter is him sort of being like, well, fuck this. Oh, yeah. Uh, And he he pieces out entirely. And then it's time to check in with Maul. Thank goodness. I don't like going without him for too long. Oh, yeah. Uh, And I believe Darth Maul has made his way back to the mess hall. Uh, where he is, because he's operating on that Zero goes by another name thing, he's going to go talk to Zero again. Now, as far as Zero knows, Maul has been drawn and quartered, 
and yes, torn apart by the tearing him apart machine. Yeah, he doesn't actually, you know, realize that Maul is still around. So Maul's just sort of been waiting in the darkness, watching him do stuff because he's like, "All right, I gotta wait. I wait until he sits down and he's nice and comfy. He's had a few bites of his special order. I get actual meat meal." And then he's like, yo, what up, fucker? I lived. Yeah. Yeah. And Zero, who normally is one of those too cool for the room, nonplussed kind of guys, is like, what the fuck? What? And Maul's like, yeah, last time you saw me, you put me in a machine that was supposed to tear me apart. It didn't. Here I am. Oh, shit. Now, I want you to tell take a message to Iram Radik for me, because he's very straightforward. Oh, yeah. And Zero for his part, is like, no, you don't understand. I'm not even scared that, like, of you that you're alive, that you're going to fuck me up. I am scared because he thinks you are dead, and I fucked up that. Yeah, and I got to assume, at a certain point, this guy's watched Darth Maul do all kinds of crazy shit, right? Like, he's he's seen him win three of those horrible gladiatorial fights, murder his way through just rooms of people, uh, get out of being killed, and he's still like, yeah, but I'm more scared of Radik. And I'm like, I feel like at a certain point, we'll instantly kill you becomes an equal level of fear for everybody who can do that. Oh, yeah. Because, like, Iram Radik is like, oh, no. he's the, He controls stuff in here, I guess, and he'll have me, I don't know, fucked up. But, like, Maul will also just wreck your shit. So, you know, you're looking at death or death. Meh. You're like, well, I'm not scared of you, Volcano. I'm scared of that other Volcano. Like, you should be scared of both Volcanoes. They're both Volcanoes. You mean my choices are or death. (laughs) Uh, Cake, please. I'll have the chicken. (laughs) So, uh, Zero tries to get up and leave, and Maul responds very charitably for Darth Maul by doing the fork grab and stab, but not into the guy's hand, just into his shirt. Yeah, just pins his sleeve there, and of course, Zero's the type of guy who has, you know, a bunch of bodyguards and whatnot looking out for him, just in case, and he's mm-hmm. like, hey, uh, you should probably tell them to sit the fuck down, or I will go ham on your dumb face. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, because three guys at a nearby table immediately stand and start walking over, and Maul's just like, have him sit down, and Zero does that, and he's like, look, here's here's the deal. I want you to broker a weapons deal. I don't want to find out who Iron Radik is. I don't give a shit. I want to buy something for him and then have people arrive here and pick it up for delivery. And that's all. I just want to give him money. It's like, look, and I just just let me give the Bandogora a nuke. That's all I want. Yeah. And he's like, no. Specifically, Iram Radik. It turns out he hates the Bando Gora. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we knew that they tried to kill him. So he's like, oh, no. Ever since that point, he's just been like, 100% will not ever do business with them. Yeah. And you know what? I'm I'm going to go ahead and guess the, uh, the twist ending here if I can. Uh, I, I think that... If the deal goes through, Maul gets the nuke and and gives it to the Bando Gora because they're supposed to pick it up here from him at this prison. I think they just arm it and then try to fly away. Ah. And they're just like, yeah, we never killed him the first time around. We're finishing the job. We're turning this whole prison into a meltdown. Ah. But who knows? I have a whole lot of ideas about twists that I think are about to happen where they're probably all wrong. Probably. 
Yeah. But uh, Zero. Uh, but he's he's just like. <laughs> Yeah, Zero's like, nah, I, I'm still, you know, more afraid of Radik than you. And he's like, well, that's okay, because you see, uh, you you remember a couple chapters ago where Coyle tried to give me some white metaxas root? Well, I put it in your special food because you're the only one who gets to eat it, you jag off. So I have an antidote. And you already, <laughs> and you already ate enough to kill you. So uh, how about you broker the deal? And I give you an antidote. And uh, to Zero's everlasting credit, or probably just to Iram Radik's credit, because of how scary he apparently is, uh, Zero's like, no, up yours. Fuck you, buddy. No. And then he just passes out into his food. Well, I mean, he's he at least is like, you don't understand. He will not do that. And he's like, change his mind. I can't. You don't understand. And then dies. <laughs> or probably dies. If nothing else, he passes out. Because uh, Maul picks him up by the head, uh, looks in his eyes, drops him back into his food, and leaves. And as he's leaving, the three guys behind him start scurrying over to lift him up and help him. Oh, no. Our boss. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And Maul does what he does best, which is walk out of the room without looking back. This guy must be great at explosion parties. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves a good explosion party. Please tell me you wouldn't actually turn down the opportunity to go to an explosion party. I mean, if someone was like, hey, we're having an explosion party. Do you want to come? I would be like, I need more details, but yes. I know. Granted, (laughs) there are several questions you want to ask. You don't want to find out it's some bullshit gender reveal. Yeah, I don't want to be like, okay, explosion party. Is this an explosion that we are in or watching? details come to the explosion party there'll be drinks oh well you got me there i mean like if it was out in the desert somewhere where the explosion couldn't burn down california Hmm. and you just got to see a bunch of cool explosions and they weren't gonna get you specifically it's an explosion party come on it sounds like a lot of fun yeah that sounds like fucking burning man and then you get to walk away from each and every one of the explosions all cool-like without looking at them. Yeah. And that kind of defeats the purpose of going to an explosion party, I think, but... Well, I mean, I assume I it's being both photographed and filmed so that you can get pictures of yourself walking away from explosions all cool-like, and then also video of you doing so in slow motion. I wonder if someone has actually done this, this idea that we're kind of floating right now. Has, has this happened? Has someone been like, well, let's go out in the desert and light bombs and then walk away from them so we have pictures of us walking away from explodies? I mean, the answer is obviously yes. Some YouTuber influencer was like, oh, this sounds like the best idea anyone's ever had. Hey, we're influencers. Why don't we do this? Yeah, but we're not YouTube where there's a influencers. Desert. Oh, come on. We have at least three videos on YouTube. We have at least Three people subscribe to our YouTube. Uh, it's like 250 or something like that, uh, because I don't post anything to it, and I forgot how to. Uh, one of these days, I'll remember how to do it and get back to work on it. Yeah, one of these days. But honestly, posting those things bald-faced to you, I mean, I know I'm supposed to stay out of YouTube comments, but every comment we have is like, these fucking idiots are dumb as hell. Yeah, welcome to YouTube. Fuck them. <laughs> There are a lot matter there that we don't like D&D than people, our regular listener bases. <laughs> like just, just a lot matter. Oh, yeah. Well, you have to assume that the YouTube crowd is there like, oh, yeah, I'm just watching everybody who, you know, does D&D AP because that's why I'm on YouTube looking at 
RPG mm-hmm. stuff, and then they get to us and we're like, "Hey, did you know that game is a a piece of shit and a diaper for idiots?" <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "Oh." I meant to spend today on YouTube watching people walk all cool like away from explosions, and instead I got let down. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, all right, where where are we going? That so was the whole smite. chapter. <laughs> smite. We come it's back time to for Smite. And yeah, Smite's down in the bowels of the prison. He's between the shifty bits. Oh yeah, he's in the same corridor that the gang members came in through, which I mm-hmm. have questions and concerns about given what happens in this chapter well you know the whole thing is always constantly rearranging it might be that he went down some side passage they didn't or wriggled his way through a no i'm sure he knows this is the the hallway the guards came down he or the uh gang members came down and he's like hell no i'm not staying in that corridor i'm gonna squeeze myself between two plates or something and get the fuck out of here that sounds like the worst possible idea you could do in a prison that is constantly shifting. Be like, ooh, I know. I want to get in the gears of this thing. That should be safe. I mean, on the one hand, you are absolutely right. On the other hand, you have to take into account that the person that you're describing is a double agent guard working at a secret ultra-death prison for both one murderer and Jabba the Hutt, a different murderer, and he's high on spice and quickly coming down from his high. Oh, yeah, which is why I don't think he has enough presence of mind to be like, ooh, I should try and find different tunnels or whatever. I'm pretty sure he is just running. Beelining? Yeah. Well, that could be, too. Especially because uh, it- what happens even later in the chapter. <laughs> so he is, as I mentioned, he is starting to come down off his spice, and he is literally thinking to himself, there's still spice in my quarters. I can go to my quarters and get more spice. <laughs> I mean, that is... Oh, no, wait. I might not be able to do that. I mean, that's definitely the thoughts of a dude that is (laughs) way too high coming down and being like, oh, no. Oh, no. I don't want to know things. I don't want to keep feeling feelings. (laughs) Being high was working great. Oh, yeah. And he is, at least now that the glitter sim has started to wear off, he's like, oh, no. I can now rationally think about things and know that on one hand, I am a completely unarmed guard, and wherever I go in this prison is a prison full of homicidal maniacs that want to murder me, and if I could get out, and, I can't go to Jabba because he will murder me. And I can't go back to my quarters because other guards will murder me. There's really not much he could do at this point. Oh, yeah. Like, at this point, he's basically like, the best chance that he has is maybe, maybe being able to get to, like, some shuttle out of here because mm-hmm. he's, I mean, he's still a guard. He's got guard credentials. If he could get on that and leave and, I don't know, hide from Jabba somewhere, then maybe. Yeah, but that's not what happens. Oh, no, of course not. Instead, while he's wandering around, he starts hearing shifty, slimy noises off in the distance of the tunnels. Ah, yes. Sticky, clicking, and shifty, slapping. Yep, that's exactly... Shifty, clicking, and sticky, slapping. That's, uh, those are the, that's the things he's hearing, uh, which honestly sounds like someone's just watching weird verpine porn in a different room to me. <laughs> I mean, someone might be. You never know. I mean, it's a pretty open prison unless you're in the fight right now. Uh, 
they don't really seem to have like solitary or that kind of thing. But the the book has been notably light on prison uh, cliches. So for the most part, I mean, yeah, you've got the two gangs that fight with like shivs and stuff, but we don't have any like lock up or solitary or uh, several like short sheeting or, or nighttime visits and beatings. None of that stuff has happened. No, not really. I mean, you don't really have to because everyone's just going to fight and die anyway. Yeah. Plus, we haven't had any of that sexy prison stuff where, like, they make Darth Maul shower and then they shoot him with a big hose. <laughs> then he shoots you with his big hose. You yeah. Know. You're, like, you're like, Darth Maul, line up for inspection, maggot. Anyway, the wolf yeah, he... worm. <laughs> oh, fine. I guess we can get to the point. It's finally time to meet the wolf worm, like, 30, 39 chapters into the book. Yes, the Cyrox. The wolf worm of Coghive 7. He's like, oh shit. You know, I had heard stories about it, but I didn't realize that it actually was around. And then it telepathically speaks to his brain with a bunch of different voices. So it turns out, this is our first time learning about this, that the Cyrox, when it eats people, kind of like also ingests their brain and current personality and thinking. Yeah, so it is screaming in his brain like the final feelings and thoughts of a whole bunch of prisoners that it has eaten which is fairly terrifying yeah absolutely terrifying so he doesn't even see it first at first he in his own brain he starts getting a million like telepathic messages they're like let me out let me out let me out let me out i will kill you it's not fair it's not fair it's not fair oh yeah and he's just like, well, that fucking sucks. He's like, huh. So it turns out not only is this horrible monster real, it is sentient and psychic. Well, that's fun. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> that's when he finally sees it. It's looming overhead, sticking to the walls and grossly skipping around. And it is enormous. It basically, from what I can I hear from the description, is basically is maggot shaped and colored. Like it's fat and white and glistening. It uh, is so it's it, it's blind not a, uh, and greasy it's, and kind of yeah. kind of messed up and it's got uh demogorgon from stranger things mouth yes yeah its mouth opens up and petals and then there's rings of teeth in there uh and it just it sounds completely nasty as opposed to if you were picturing some kind of like big snake kind of thing no this is much more grub yeah when you when you hear wolfworm i'm imagining like a hairy worm that kind of wriggles around and has like a snout and is sort of animalish, but this is just mm -hmm. just some gross nastiness that shows up and is like, "Hey, I'm a nightmare thing." Also, I shoot brain images. Ha ha. Yeah, so it's a it's a big monster, and Smite is not in any kind of mental state to deal with a big monster right now. So he runs away screaming. Oh yeah, and I mean, I get it. At this point, the fact that he didn't just be like, you know what, I'm just going to lie down here. You go ahead, eat me. I'm fine. I'm out <laughs> is, you know, at least good for him. He has just seen the most over the top gruesome deaths of basically everyone he knows at this prison and then ran into a nightmare monster and was like, all right, no, I've still got enough presence of mind. I can run. <laughs> so he does. And he starts just running and screaming and jumping over obstacles and doing anything he can to get away from this thing, which is just leisurely squishing after him. And it's every bit fast enough to just keep up with him anyway. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he has gained some distance. It's not like 
It just mm-hmm. sits right behind him. He has gotten a little bit away. And, you know, maybe he could have gotten away if he didn't slam headlong into Vaz Nailhead. Uh, yep. As, as soon as he makes his <laughs> way down a corridor, he runs right back to this place where he came from in the first place, that one room, and just bonks into Vaz Nailhead and falls down. And Nailhead's like, oh, hey, it's you. You didn't think you'd get away from us, did you? Hey, buddy. And he says something I've never heard anyone in Star Wars say before, and it made me happy to see someone say it. <laughs> when he's like, he's like, where are you going? What you doing, bro? Yeah, the fact that not only is he, I think, the only character I've seen call someone bro, but it's italicized <laughs> for emphasis in the book is fabulous. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, sweet. Fine. Bro is, is now Star Wars canon. That's awesome. Or at least Star Wars Legends. Mm-hmm. Uh. I don't remember where this falls in the rules, but <laughs> he, someone definitely gets called bro, and it's, it's Augustine Smite. And, uh... You know, and he's just like, he's, yeah, he's fucked entirely. And he's just like, oh, okay. Well, you know, I can hear this monster coming up. So, uh, hey, guess what? You better watch out. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Cause they're like, what are you doing, man? What's going on? He's like, well, I'm trying to get away. What do you mean? You're trying to get away from us. What are you talking about? And he's like, oh, you guys probably ought to watch out. What for? Oh, for that. And then, you know, the screaming starts. Oh yeah. I have to wonder now. Did Smite have enough presence of mind this time to be like, all right, cool. Maybe I can get away from the worm while it eats these guys. I don't know. I don't know how much presence of mind he has at all, but I do think that, I mean, I'm, I honestly, I know how Joe Schreiber books go. Cause this is our second time reading one where you think that he kind of defines characters that he likes and then he'll leave them alive for a little while longer than everyone else. And then he pretty quickly is like, no, I won't. I'll kill whoever. <laughs> Uh, remember when I said ideas. I'd kill you last? I lied. Yeah, so I have no way of knowing if he makes it out of this situation or not. I do know that the screaming starts. Oh, yeah. The screaming. It started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because someone's getting eaten by that big worm. We just don't know who yet. Oh, yeah. And I mean, this was in the passageway, so you have to assume that she was like, all right, well, thanks for murdering everyone. You all can go back to the prison now. And they just kind of went, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, do you think that uh, do you think that Siddiqui is both aware of and using the worm for things? See, that was my question with this is I was like, okay, I'm fine with imagining that somehow this giant worm doesn't just get, you know, absolutely chopped into bits every time the prison rearranges itself. Sure, fine, whatever. But the fact that it was like, oh, she made a pathway from like the cells of these prisoners to this meeting room and Mm -hmm. none of the prisoners saw the worm on their way there, but it was there when smite tries to leave. I'm like, how did it manage to wiggle its way into this corridor? Then I don't know, man, the worm works in mysterious ways. The worm works as the worm wills. Yeah. The worm turns i think that's the thing people say maybe that's what happened it turned in here yeah it turned the worm into a worm turns up that's that's the full people never say the entire phrase it's the worm as the worm turns up oh yeah 
So it just kind of showed up in there. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about it. That's that's how it happens. Sure. I mean, if there is something later on where Sadiqi was like, "Tee hee hee," I opened a passageway for the worm to get in there. I'd be like, "Okay, sure, fine." But up. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. Unless that happens, I'm gonna be, mm, I'm gonna be squinting a little hard at you. Okay, you're on thin fucking ice, book. Now, if you want to hear something that's on thin ice, you want to hear my my lowest odds. Uh, cons- or theory about what's happening in the future of the book. Go for it. Now that we've learned that the worm is sentient and has all the minds of its former victims in it, I'm leaning. I, I think it's it's not likely. I think it- I actually put really light odds on this, and I'm not leaning towards it at all. But I would love it if it's that the worm has Iron Radik in it, and that's why he doesn't want anyone seeing him because he doesn't even exist anymore. He's just one of the many thousands of voices screaming inside this worm. That would be hilarious. And there's a whole organization built up around him, and and everyone's terrified of him because every time he calls someone in for an individual meeting, they get eaten by a giant worm. <laughs> so, uh, like, he, he had managed to get the whole weapon facility up and going uh, on its own. He had everything working, and then he got matched accidentally in a gladiatorial arena, eaten by a giant worm when he lost, and then he just kept running the business anyway because he's inside of a telepathic superworm. That would be hilarious and very unlikely. Yeah, I, I'm not laying high odds on that. If I'm if I'm laying Vegas odds, that's like twenty five hundred to one. That's I don't think that's the case. I just think it's a funny idea. Great, I love it. I love the idea, and it definitely mm-hmm. isn't true. <laughs> I know, but I'm also while we're while we're on the odds, I don't think that fucking weak way is Iron Radik either. That's uh, I mean, I think that's even less likely. Oh yeah, that's bullshit. If that weak way is Iron Radik, ooh, ooh, I'm gonna be so angry. Yeah, that that just can't be right. Iron Radik can't be a weak way. He's got to be, he's got to be less of a quivering heap and more of a sex haver. I mean, come on, his name is Radik. Oh yeah. I mean, at this point, if it isn't Coil or Daiquiri, I'm gonna be very sad. Uh, yeah, I think there's also a solid chance it's a character we just haven't met yet. Because this, that's another Schreiber tradition. Is his? Oh, are we four fifths of the way through the book? How about some more characters, guys? Guys, you see these characters? I made you some more characters. Mm. I mean, I would love for it to be Coil, but I don't think it is, given that what happens real soon here. Oh. So, speaking of which, uh, Maul is arriving at the morgue with Owen in tow, carrying his largely almost dead father. Well, yeah, he he shows up and is like, hey, uh, my dude, we gotta go. So pick up your mostly dead dad, and you gotta mm-hmm. follow me over to the morgue. <laughs> Uh, Owen at this point has pretty much lost any, any, you know, uh, chutzpah he might've had at one point in his life. And it's just like, yeah, okay. Oh yeah. No, he he is broken. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if the only person who ever talks to you is Darth Maul and all he ever does is say like, your dad will tell me the information I need or I will kill him. And then you listen, kid. Oh yeah. When he's not even really being. When your own dad is like, oh, no, you are definitely a worthless piece of shit fighter and would die immediately to anyone. You're like, oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Right? Love it. Yeah. I especially love that he just doesn't even seem to, like, try to menace the kid at all. The thing I like about Darth Maul for the most part is that he is so matter of fact and yet still so evil so that you don't get a whole lot of, like, yes, the dark side says I will slice you up. Instead, he's just like, hey, man, listen to this. You're going to tell me this information. And then I'm going to kill you or I'll kill you slower. (laughs) Just very matter of fact. And I love it about him. But anyway, 
Him and Owen drag Art- Artigan to the morgue uh, where he throws Artigan up on a table. He wakes up weekly and he's like, hey, man, you got, you're going to have to help me contact the Bandogora. Oh, yeah. He's like, hey, hey, Owen, this dude say anything about the Bandogora? And I was like, dude, he is not even able to talk. What are you talking about? He is completely high on infection and needs medicine. He's like, all right, well, you're useless. Hey, hey, old man. I need I need yeah. the hailing frequency for the Bandogora, huh? Slap slap. Hey, hey, I, cl- buddy. I forgot that. Eh, I forgot the high a long time ago. Forgot. Oh well, that's neat. So you- I'm gonna kill your son. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, look. You better remember, because otherwise I'm gonna kill your kid. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Here you go. Here's a little pad. You don't even need to say it out loud. Just punch it in. And he does. He punches in the phone number, and Maul's like, "Okay, great." And then he just turns and leaves again. <laughs> And, and Owen's like, "Hey man, you know the uh you know the Clarion for the next match is going off right now." And he's like, "Meh. I don't give a shit." <laughs> <laughs> I I think he's past the point of pretending to go along with the prison at the although who knows because he doesn't go get in another fight. He instead heads off to what do they call it? The factory where he's going to meet up with Coil again. Oh yeah. Well, first he has to of course go since he's already in the morgue and this is where his hollow transmitter is. Just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. check in real quick with Sidious again. Yeah. He just calls Sidious and is like, my master, I figured it out. I know who I am, Radik is. I found and him. Sidious I doesn't got even, it. Sidious, sadly, because I love doing Sidious, doesn't even say anything. He just looks like I'm exasperated that this should have taken less time than this and hangs up the phone. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't really get the conversation. We get the very beginning of it, and then they're just like, anyway, <laughs> later on, he was... Maul's just going about his business. He's like, aw. Sidious didn't even care. He just sort of impatiently listened about how I found a dude and then went, great. <laughs> and then <laughs> nodded and turned off the call. Yeah, listen, kid, I'm on lap three and it's really hard to come back if you're playing as Yoshi. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's great. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. Motherfucking no, yeah. blue shell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to call you Yeah, back. I'll call you back. <laughs> uh now now what happens is that darth maul goes off to visit coil as you may remember from oh gosh like 12 15 chapters ago he commissioned coil to make uh some counterfeit credits for him yes indeed and you know he managed to make three hundred thousand counterfeit credits in a little box so i mean yeah, good for him case and uh, Dolph Maul takes a quick look at them and is like, yeah, these are fine. Thank you very much. And uh, I guess I'll just take my leave of you. Yeah. Again, Maul, not about the small talk, just like shows up. Is it ready? Uh, good. I'm leaving. Mm hmm. Coil, thankfully, is not about the small talk either here because he has nothing to say either. And the two of them just got to go their separate ways after Maul establishes that while the credits would probably not stand up to extremely close scrutiny, they will do. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's just using it to essentially buy a meeting. Be like, look, I have credits. He's not really like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have to, like, deposit this at a bank or something. Yeah. I mean, the thing I keep wondering is, isn't Iram Radik exactly the kind of person that's going to give extraordinary scrutiny to this money? I mean, I feel like Iram Radik is the kind of person that would already know that he had commissioned 300,000 fake credits to be made. 
That's true. He'd also just recognize the value of counterfeit. He'd be like, you know what? This isn't real, but it's good enough, and I can probably do something with it. So thank you. Oh, uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, no, yeah. he he fucks off after getting it, and apparently not all of the gang members died to the worm or went along with that shit because he does, you know, bump shoulders with a bone king on his way, and then just mm-hmm. you know punches him in the solar plexus <laughs> and is like. How dare you touch me? Yeah, I love that shit. Where he, it doesn't even have any particular reason to do it, but the two of that because the Clarion's still going off. He's done all of this in the five minute minimum, so he's just trying to get back to his cell with in Clarion time with everybody else. Bumps into a, a, a random Bone King and is like, "Well, I got to punch this guy so hard that he almost dies." Oh yeah, this dude hit me slightly too hard for it to just be an accident. I got to make sure he knows that he's my bitch. Yeah. Uh, Pops him real hard in the solar plexus, and as he's coming up from the process of doing that, uh, across the just giant crush of fast-moving bodies, who does he see but that weak way? Ah, yes, that weak way with a bird on his shoulder, and he is just feeding it little bantha suet, which, you know, the fact that you know that it's bantha suet from this far away is, that's impressive, honestly, Maul. Yeah, that was an interesting moment. I was... I mean, I mean, do do we primarily use bantha suet in this galaxy? Is that how that works? I guess. But he's like, so oh, when no. you see some suet, you're like, I understand. You pulled out a like a scrap of greasy looking meat. Oh, I know what that is. I mean, like even on Earth where we are right now, there are there suet can come from cattle, sheep, and occasionally other animals. So, but if you if I were to spot a hump of it from like across a busy hallway, I would not be like, hmm. That looks like sheep suet. <laughs> Man, I wouldn't even be able to this... go, hmm, that looks like suet. I'd go, that is something. I mean, I might recognize suet, I think, because I've used it for things before. It looks like lumps of, you know, basically gross kind of dried waxy fat. But I feel like this is definitely one of those examples of someone saying, oh, I can't just say suet. People will be like, that's not very Star Warsy. I better put a Star Wars word in there. Yeah, and you, I mean... Couldn't even just say, like, uh, fed him some gross meat from his pocket or whatever. It has to be specifically suet from specifically a bantha. Yeah, and Maul has to know it's from a bantha. So either that's just the most common form of suet in Star Wars, which would be weird because banthas aren't, you know, ubiquitous or anything. Uh, or it's, like I was saying, it's a standard trick in Star Wars books to be like, oh, you can't just say cheese in here. You got to say Rancor cheese or people get mad at you for it's not being Star Warsy enough. Oh, yeah. I mean, that much is true. Mm-hmm. Or if you can't do that, you got to put in the name of a planet and then the name of an element and then the thing. Oh, so you can if you can't if you can't say it's it's just Rancor cheese, you can say it's Coruscant fire cheese. Mm. That's acceptable as well. Delicious fire cheese. Coruscant. Dude, Coruscant fire cheese sounds good as hell. <laughs> we have a this thing going on in my house right now where the uh, I I I'm, I bought some cheese uh, to eat these little squares of cheese that are like uh, white cheddar with smoked black pepper in them, mm-hmm. and they're really really good. And my daughter likes them too, uh, and Sage likes them. So I've been feeding her these the occasional cheese bits. But the first time I ever gave her one, her and I were busy pretending to be robots. Ugh. Um, because that's just one of the games she likes to play. She likes to walk around and say, I am a sage robot. I will walk like this. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so so one time while her and I were pretending to be robots, I said, 
Sage Robot, would you like some robot hyper cheese? <laughs> and <laughs> since then, and I, we've had three more bags of this crap. Every time she sees it, she's like, mm, I want hyper cheese. <laughs> give, give me robot hyper cheese. Oh, that's excellent. I'm, I'm really happy with it because I know exactly what she means. She wants that smoked black pepper cheddar. Yeah, that's the hyper cheese. That's hyper cheese. And now this house, that's just hyper cheese. And it is really good. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he thinks he sees Radik. Neither John or I is co- are, are convinced, though. I don't think that's fucking Radik. No. Radik's not a weak way. Bullshit. But he's still... I call know, bullshit on that, bro. <laughs> he's still, you know, goes diving through the crowd to try and go after him and runs smack into a guard. And he's like, hey, where are you going, maggot? Yeah. I love that the weak way is just staring him down across the crowd, too. Just, what? And I assume it's, I mean, come on, that's not Radik. So this weak way is just like, like, oh, shit, isn't that guy supposed to be dead? It's very hard to not be dead if I left you to be dead earlier. Oh, This yeah. is weird. That's probably what's going through his head. But, yeah, he runs into a guard who's like, where are you going, maggot? And the guard, Maul's like, to, to my quarters, the Clarion's playing, you idiot. He's like, oh, what's what's in that? That bag you got there, huh? What's in the case? Nothing. That stuff I found on the factory floor. It is salvage. I have claimed it. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, let me see! And he tips it over, and instead of money, out comes a pile of bones. So no, he's put the spilled money my somewhere. Bones. I think it's just in there. with a, the, I, I think the, that uh, Coil was nice enough to provide him with a case that has a false bro- bottom. Nah, I think he stashed it somewhere. Ah, in the usual secret place. Yes, he put it in a secret place. Right up his dark side. Ah. Uh, uh. Yeah. Uh, and then the guard's like, ah, God damn it! you don't have anything but a big box of bones. Move along, mister. <laughs> Move along. Now, we don't know if... And there you go. You know, this weak way is gonna hang around or do stuff. I mean, I think he just fucks off at this point. Oh, yeah, he's gone. By the time Maul gets to where he was hoping to run into the weak way and grab him, he's just not there anymore. He yeah. vanishes into the crowd. I'm sure he pulls that movie move where a person walks by and occludes him from view long enough for him to vanish. Oh, you yeah. Know, ninja style. Now, my That's assumption definitely what happens. about the weak way is that he is the bird trainer for Radik because Radik's like, well, yeah, I need yeah. to use the birds for this. I don't know how to train birds. I'm a weird, like, engineer businessman, so obviously I have to have a guy for that. Yeah, you you don't think that Iram Radik is going to handle the birds on his own, do you? He's a huge worm. Birds love that shit. (laughs) Uh, I mean, odds aren't. Odds are against it, but still. Still. What if he runs into an early bird? That would be bad for him. Oh, no. That would get him a worm. But that's the end of the... That is the end of the chapter, though. Uh, right, right away, he runs into where, he, where, uh, who he thinks Radik is should have been, and of course he is not. And he's just like, God damn it! And then he just continues on his way to his uh, quarters. Obviously, because in the next two chapters, he's going to get in another gladiatorial fight. Well, obviously, I mean, I mean, there's no way it won't happen. No, anytime they set that clarion call off, if it's not Maul getting in a fight, then what are we even doing here? 
I know. We don't want to see any gladiator fights that aren't Maul. I would, at this point, be literally shocked if there was even one gladiator fight in this book that doesn't have Darth Maul in it. There's only one that I wouldn't be shocked, and that would be Owen. They might show Owen's fight, and he, depending on what he wants to do, Owen will either win and be like, ah, I have found my killing instinct, or lose (laughs) and become part of the worm. Yeah, that could be neat, just because eventually, you know, Maul's going to have to run into that worm, and if he's still being like, I'm Owen, I'm Owen, I'm only half a man, then he'd Uh, be like, ah, I understand. (laughs) My daddy, uh. No, you're right, that might happen. Or, honestly, it could be kind of neat if they finally did meet up with Iron Radik, and all that that Maul did was just set him up so he was next to fight. That would be at least kind of funny. (laughs) Anyway, we have no way of knowing, because we're done for this week. That's right. No earthly way of knowing which I mean, we direction keep reading the book, we are going. I don't want to read ahead. Yeah. I don't want to do any reading ahead because if I do any reading ahead, I might like learn stuff that would stop all my ludicrous conspiracy theories. Yeah. And also, if you read ahead, you would probably immediately blend it together with whatever else we have read. Yeah, I haven't done that in like three episodes in a row. Come on now. You give me some credit. Yeah, because you haven't read ahead. Yeah, be careful now. Good. Everyone's very proud of you. Your mother and I are so proud of you. I've worked very hard to craft this empire of podcasting. (laughs) We're putting this podcast right on the fridge. That's where I put all the podcasts. I edit them on the fridge. That's right. We've got a smart fridge and it all goes in there. Mm -hmm. Web 2.0. That's the way it works. All right, so thank you so much for listening, everybody. As always, why don't you step on by to our Patreon and join us at the $2 level, where we will tell you weird stories about stuff we found on Wikipedia. That's Expanded Expounded Universe, our sub our subshow to this show. That's right. There's so much garbage on Wikipedia. Patreon.com slash System Mastery. Do it. $2 level. Go there. Go there and support us. And until such time as you do, I've been Elan Sleesbagiano. And I love big, juicy worms. (laughs) 